0: Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and always a special time when we get Sarah Riapel to join us. Sarah is uh, runs the Portfolio Solutions at RBC Global Asset Management, so is a great person to consult when we want to know about you know what should we be thinking about in terms of positioning of overall portfolios based on what's happening. So Sarah, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a while, I think,
0: hasn't it? It has been. It has. We've, uh, and again, that's why we, we 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 sort of space you out a little bit more because it is such a special visit.
1: Well, unfair enough. People a little bit busy with the with the markets as well. So
0: that's okay. no no kidding. <laughs> is is, is there something as, 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 has anything been happening? I I don't know. We, we talked to Eric Lacelles It seemed like everything was fine.
1: Yeah, no, it was very <laughs> quiet. though. it's a lot going on, as you know.
0: So, so, and, 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 and some of that's, so it's produced more volatility. Uh, We've seen uh, again, which is uh, echoes for many of the people who would be listening uh, of, of the last financial crisis that, you know, interest rates rise, Mm -hmm. banking sector looks a little wobbly Mm -hmm. and, uh, and investors, you know, are trying to figure out then how, you know, how are central banks going to react to it? So, what's your perspective on on what's been going on uh, and again i, I just want to be very clear um, i'm i'm the the echo of the global financial crisis that i'm referring to is just people's perception that's certainly not the way that we we view it
1: yeah, for sure. So let's let's get that out of the way up front. We certainly do not think that this is a repeat of the global financial crisis in in any way, shape, or form. So yeah. let's get that out of the way first. But obviously, there's a lot going on in markets. Um, I expect that anything I say today could possibly be different tomorrow. So, uh, and that's because we. We remain very data dependent, so each new data point that we see, whether it's a jobs number or a Fed announcement or an inflation print, it's going to cause us to review the outlook and, and our forecasts and, and adjust as, need, as needed. So it's always true in markets um, that, that you know, volatility is there and we have to adjust. It feels like it's been you know, markets are even more sensitive over the last few weeks and months to these, these data, data points and creating more volatility. Um, as a result of certain even small perceived misses to expectations, it's creating more volatility than normal. So in our view, this this massive and sudden surge in interest rates that we've seen over the past year, it's almost certain to cause economic pain. And we may be starting to see that now. Uh, we're starting to see some cracks in the financial system. Uh, investors are concerned about those challenges in the banking system that, that, that you mentioned earlier. And they're concerned they could be a sign of worse things to come for the broader economy. And you know, ample liquidity is being provided by central banks to ease those financial system stresses, but central banks have made it clear that they don't want to lose sight of that fight against inflation um, that's been so important over the last 12 months. Inflation is still too high, growth is still too fast, and these things are going to demand tighter monetary policy. So expectations that central banks are going to take their foot off the gas pedal, so to speak, I think might be a little bit premature. You know, we believe that central banks are going to push ahead with planned interest rate increases. Uh, ske- investors are skeptical that further tightening will happen from here. But again, we remain data dependent. So we're going to have to see uh, what happens. Yeah. Um, I think that the banking challenges in the U.S. and, and also in the broader um, market are going to dampen risk taking to, to some degree. And they're going to tighten lending conditions. Uh, we think that that probably leads to a more a greater likelihood of Recession um, over over the coming twelve months. So you know these immediate problems have been dealt with. I think the strain on the financial system has probably uh, has prompted us to budget for further economic weakness. Um, and with that in mind, we we our forecast is for a recession um, hitting probably in the back half of the year. But at this point in time, we expect a recession of mild depth and duration. Um, and so, so not one, one, not a deep one or a long one, as we have seen in the past, but something a little bit more on the mild side.
0: Yeah, and and we talked with Eric Lassells earlier, and 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 that that's essentially what he was saying was, uh, what's happened in the banking, uh, in the in the banking sector in particular over the last three weeks, uh, has as as really just upped his fork. he he already had a a pretty high percentage on. On us going into some some kind of a recession, and likely a, a short and mild one, uh, but he's bumped his his probability of that happening up just a, a little bit because yeah. it's it's starting to seem more inevitable that uh, we're we're going to have, you know, not just a, a significant slowdown, but 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 an actual recession.
1: Yeah, and so so if he was saying we had a seventy percent chance of a recession uh, over the last couple of months, he he probably has bumped that to something like an eighty percent chance of recession. I don't know if that's what he said, but uh, that's wow. Pretty-
0: it's all, it's almost like you uh, you've already listened to the podcast with Eric. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> okay. You're bang on. See, this is how smart you are. This is why we uh, this is why we talk to you.
1: I must have been <laughs> in, in the last uh, macro meeting that we had. <laughs>
0: Yes, you're, or, or you're communicating telepathically, but, uh, but that's, that's, uh, that's good. So, so again, so we, we've got economic weakness coming. So how does that play out in the markets?
1: Yeah, well, you know, compared to a year ago, I'd say we're in a much different place that we, than we were in terms of valuations. So the sell-off in both the stocks and bonds over the last year have erased much of the overvaluation that existed at the beginning um, of 2022. You know, looking at the fixed income market, remarkably, even though we've seen these, these massive losses over the past year, yields are not actually at outrageous levels relative to history. Rather, the adjustment that we've seen in the markets in terms of bond yields is just yields moving away from extreme lows and back to something that's closer to the average level that we've seen over the last three decades. And so we've corrected that valuation excess in the bond market, but we haven't moved valuations to any kind of extreme. They're actually just more normal now. So at current level, the prospects for future returns has improved considerably. And at these higher yield levels, we believe that bonds can resume their role as ballast in a multi-asset portfolio. So as that diversifier to, to equity market volatility, which I think is going to be important over the next few quarters. And shifting to the stock market, valuations have been reset and now appear more consistent with the expected level of interest rates and inflation. Uh, we think the bigger risk in earnings li- or in equities lies on the earnings side. Um, at, at this point, earnings estimates are down about ten percent since last summer, and we're now looking. Our analysts are now looking for flat earnings in twenty three relative to twenty two, but they're still looking for earnings growth of ten percent in twenty twenty four. The reason that is a bit of a challenge is because if a recession does unfold, we think that we're going to need to see some more correction to the earnings side of the equation over the coming quarters. We looked at the last 11 recessions and earnings fell on average about 24% during those periods. And so there is still a little bit more um, room for, for earnings to come down. But let's look at the positive side of that. You know, an outright decline in profits um, might, is probably going to be less severe this time. Like, I don't know that that 24% number that I just mentioned to you is necessarily that something that's going to come into fruition in, in this particular case because of our expectation of a mild recession. So while we remain concerned about earnings, um, that they're not yet contemplating recession, that doesn't mean that we have significant um, down, uh, you know, a downturn in earnings on the horizon. We just think that there might need to be some correction around the edges. There are still positive outcomes um, for earnings because if, if inflation comes down as as we are as we expect, if inflation investor confidence increases, then we could potentially get a soft landing scenario and earnings don't need to correct from here. So I don't want to give you like this doomsday scenario. I do, but I do want to say you know, the key here I think is there is a variety of outcomes that are in front of us at this time and we just need to make sure that we're positioned appropriately, depending on whether or not uh, we come out on the positive or the or the the negative side of those outcomes.
0: Yeah, and and, and as you say, the the these reports that keep coming, every single one has an impact. Uh, seems to be going in kind of the right direction around rates, uh, which which is good for fixed income, uh, but it 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 you know you still don't know. We're still <laughs> had some some better numbers around inflation. Uh, but, uh, but, but we're not out of the woods yet. And, and we certainly know from history that you, uh, that inflation can be, uh, surprisingly stubborn and resilient in a way, uh, once, once the, uh, the genie's out of the bottle.
1: Yeah, for sure. And as you said, we're seeing a lot of positive signs of, of progress, especially on the inflation front, but we're just not, uh, ready to, to say that it's, you know, we, have it's a job well done or that we've successfully tackled inflation just yet. I think we're going to need a couple of more months and a few more data points before we're able to, to say that.
0: Yeah. And so I, I was doing a lot of, uh, of speeches this week uh, to, to large groups of realtors across Canada. And one of the things I, I kind of threw out, it was somewhat rhetorical question uh, to, to, to the realtors, uh, given the, the, the move that we've seen in interest rates, which, which you just referred to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I said, are interest rates high? Right. And, you know, you see people nodding their heads. Yes. Interest, and it's like, well, no. If we look at it, if we take a longer term historical perspective. Interest rates are actually pretty normal. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is about the midpoint, as you say, of, of where we typically see longer term interest rates move. They just seem very high relative to where we've, we've been more recently. And so, you know, that that move in interest rates is, you know, closer to being done. Than, than being at the start of the move, and so you've seen the valuation move in stocks, which has been based on that 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 move in interest rates, and now the economic impact and the so are how much are earnings affected, that could be the other shoe to drop, and 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 that's why you know fixed income as you say looks pretty good, and uh, and and equities you know still 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 see that 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 volatility there. Yeah,
1: and I, I feel like I I'm probably gonna um regret making this comment (laughs) on a recorded, on a recording, but I really feel like the worst is behind us in the bond market. I think we saw peak yields last fall. We, you know, briefly revisited Similar levels as the, the banking crisis unfolded a few weeks ago, but we didn't breach those levels from last fall. And, and I, I feel fairly comfortable that we can say that the worst is behind us in the bond market, at least for right now. But we do need to think about the, the equity side of, of the, the portfolios, though.
0: Okay, so you put it all together, and how, how are you positioning your portfolios right now?
1: Well, as I said, there's because of the variety of um, different scenarios that are in front of us, both good and bad. Uh, we feel that uh, keeping our asset mix at a neutral stance, so neutral in, in all three asset classes, is probably the most prudent approach until some of these scenarios uh, start to play out or we get a little bit more confidence on either the positive side or, or the negative side. So you know the, the volatile environment over the last 15 months has provided us with many opportunities to adjust our asset mix within the portfolios. And what we've been doing is de-risking the portfolios over the last year or so. And by, by that, I mean that we're we're buying bonds to reduce our underweight in bonds, and we were selling stocks to reduce our overweight in stocks. And we have now, after all of those um, trades, are now sitting on a neutral um, asset mix. And I think that's really important to, to think about because it's not that we're saying you know we have a terrible scenario ahead of us. It's saying that we have a lot of different potential um, paths forward, and we don't have conviction on to which one might um, might, be, might end up happening. And so we feel yeah. like sitting at a neutral position until we get a little bit more conviction on, on either side is probably the most prudent approach at this time.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that, you almost have, have answered my next question, but, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because it's okay. just what I, I kind of do. But you know, typ- typically, like, I think we, we'd agree that we're in the latter stages of an economic cycle. Typically, in, in in the latter stage of an economic cycle, wouldn't you even have have less risk on the table? In other words, wouldn't you be skewed more towards bonds and cash than stocks? And and you know, and being in a neutral position, you're 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 kind of you're exactly where you you would be more in the middle of an economic cycle. What's what's different this time?
1: So it's a couple of things. You have to balance the near-term risks with the long-term opportunities. Over the long-term, stocks outperform bonds. And so as a general rule, we prefer to have an overweight in equities and an underweight in bonds because when you look out over the next two, three, five years, that is a trade that is going to benefit our our clients and and our portfolios. But you have to balance that against the near-term risks of, as we talked about, the possibility of another shift down in equities The possibility that uh, in that scenario, bonds could outperform stocks because they offer that diversifying um, those characteristics in a multi-asset portfolio. And so at this time, just sort of balancing those near-term risks with those long-term opportunities, we think that uh, sitting at a neutral position right now and until some of this stuff uh, plays out with the eye on increasing our risk assets or or allocating back towards risk assets as opportunities arise is, is probably the best approach.
0: And, and then Sarah, like even within your the let, let's take the equity portion of a balanced portfolio just mm-hmm. just as, a, as as an example would, would, would that equity the 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 uh, the actual composition of that equity portion of the balanced portfolio would it be would it be less risky than it was a year ago so would you see a difference in the types of equities that you're holding within within that part of the portfolio
1: so my particular portfolios I have not Adjusted the holdings that I have, but when you look one level down, the underlying holdings have would absolutely have adjusted within those portfolios to more defensive type sectors and away from more cyclical type sectors. I know that you have Stu Stu Kedwell on this, um, uh, on, on your podcast sometimes, and he, I'm sure, has talked about some of the way that they're adjusting their portfolios to in, in the face of more. Um, you know, volatility and, and more concern about the economy, they're probably shifting to more more defensive sectors and away from cyclical sectors within those portfolios. And that um, factors, you know, all the way up into the top fund of the portfolios that I manage. It's going to come through at, at those levels as well. The other yeah, thing it, that we're doing is, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, yeah. is that we do have positions on a regional equity basis as well. And so, while we might be neutral equities uh, from an overall equity asset class, within the regions we do have some 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 tilts to, depending on where we see the best value in the market.
0: Yeah, so so it's important when we talk about portfolio construction for 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 people who are listening to this, you you may see at the big picture a neutral positioning, but there is a lot of other stuff going on in a portfolio you're constructing within the bond portion of the portfolio and the equity portion, Uh, so you have to look deeper, which is, of course, when you're managing the portfolios at the scale that you are, that's exactly what you're doing. You're you're looking, as you say, one layer down to make sure uh, that that the overall risk and positioning of the portfolio is exactly where you want it.
1: Yeah, you say one layer down. I'm probably looking at it five layers down, but yes, there's an enormous number of things going on within the portfolios from currency hedging to tactical management to managing within the different components of the bond market, the different equity regions within those equities we're looking at style tilts and um, you know in- income paying securities and then stuff like that. So I won't go into all the details, but there's an enormous num- amount of stuff going on within those portfolios that we have to be paying attention to at all times.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would have guessed uh, four, but you're always an overachiever <laughs> five layers down. That's uh, that That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I can get to one, so that's that's why I stopped there. Um, anyway, Sarah, so so Sarah, that uh, really 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 interesting. Uh, again, always always great to check in on. You know, we 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 look at uh, we look we talk about the economy with with uh, with with different people. We talk about you know individual sectors or events that are happening, but it's always nice to catch up with you to to pull it back together to what's most important is how do, you, how do you put it together in a portfolio that makes sense? And what do you need to think about um, as all this stuff is happening? So you do such a great job of doing that. So thanks, as, as always, for your time today.
1: Great. Thanks so much for having me. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended
0: to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.